0: Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Wyoming. I'm Mark Hamilton, your host, and today we'll take a look at our snowy weather. Winter continues on here in the new year. Also, we'll take a look at cowboy sports. We'll take a look at what's happening here in the state of Wyoming politically wise. We have a very heartwarming story for you. And finally, we'll close out with our history section on Walcott's Regulators. Thanks for joining us today and Happy New Year. Taking a look at Wyoming weather here today on the second day of January 2023. Winter weather is on the table today. Snow coming down in Hot Springs County. Lots of parts of southern Wyoming are getting hit with snow. Look like there's some road closures around. I think we probably have five to six inches out on the level out here in hot springs county with more coming down I'll have to get out later this afternoon and start pushing some snow around it's going to get a little bit tough if we get some wind but right now the one saving grace is that the weather isn't too extremely cold you know we had that deep freeze like a lot of parts of the country did just before christmas we have not going to look like we're going to be facing any of that the rest of the week looks pretty good nothing like real spectacular in temperatures but it's not going to be 30 below so hey it's a First of January, it's winter. Hey, we'll enjoy it and enjoy this 2023. Take a look at Wyoming Sports today. The Wyoming Cowboys were action last Friday at the Arizona Bowl. The Barstool Sports was the sponsor of the bowl. Cowboys dropped that game to the Ohio Bobcats in overtime. Bobcats ended up getting a touchdown. Uh, in overtime to pull the game out. The Cowboys, their first possession in overtime, got a field goal. And then the ball goes over to Ohio. Ohio did score a touchdown and came out with the victory. So it was a rather different ball game. I was trying to listen to it. Now, you couldn't listen to it on any of the standard sports networks that you're used to. It was on, you had to go to the, I should say, the Barstool Sports app to watch the game. And it was a little tough listening to the announcers. They were nonstop where they're talking just not normal type of broadcasting. There was a lot of theatrics during the game. They had the Hooter Girls. They had a lot of different activities going on. And uh, and that's kind of what Barstool Sports is known for. So I guess I finally got to the point where I just I had to uh, quit listening. Uh, if it were just too loud, it was too hard to listen to the announcers, turn the sound down, and watch the Cowboys play. The Cowboys, again, finish out the season with another loss three in a row after that heartbreaking defeat against Boise State. Now they'll start into their winter workouts, and then spring ball will be about three and a half months off when they'll get out and, and start working out. The Cowboys ended up signing a fair amount of players. They did lose a lot of commits towards the end, but they did pick up a really top flight transfer from the Mack conference. A running back that'll come in, that'll help them immediately. So also on the basketball side for the Wyoming Cowboys, they're struggling right now. They dropped uh, another game. They lost to Fresno State at Fresno, and then they played in Laramie on Saturday, Christmas Eve, and they dropped to game to New Mexico, who was undefeated. A top-flight team lost by one point, and it was a heartbreaker. So, Cowboys just need to get on a winning way. they have just struggling right now, trying to find their way around the on the court. Of course, they lost their big man, uh, Graham Ikey. And so, they... Are struggling. I don't know when they're going to get him back, but it looks like it could be a long season right now for the Cowboys. So, our sports here in the state of Wyoming are still uh, on winter break. They'll start up this coming weekend with games. They'll be back in tournament action. So we'll start getting into our high school sports. So again, Cowboys drop a tough one in the Barstool sports game, and their football season is over. And we'll wait till next year, as all of our Wyoming fans always are. We're 7-6, and six and maybe next year. Taking a look at Wyoming political happenings, January 2nd was the inauguration at the state capitol in Cheyenne. Governor Gordon was sworn in for his second term along with the Secretary of State, the Auditor, Treasurer, and Superintendent of Public Instruction. Also, the legislature here in Wyoming will be getting started here in the month of January. They've got a lot of important items on their docket. A couple of those that we're going to keep watch on is the Fairness in Women's Sports. Also, we've had some issues on maybe some of our transgender and some of our publications that we have in the libraries and such. So there's going to be some legislation along all those, and we'll keep track of all those for you as we get closer to the uh, start of the legislature, and then we'll keep track of those bills as they get introduced and go through the legislature. So politics happening around the Wyoming, they're taking off national-wise. A new Congress is being sworn in. Finally, Liz Cheney has departed, and Harriet Hageman will take over. She was sworn in here today on the 3rd, and there also will be a lot of Political happenings going on in Washington, D.C., as we start the new year. So, a lot of things happening out there. I think it's important to keep track of what's going on as a citizen. You need to follow what your legislature is doing, what your national representatives are doing, and voice your opinions. Let them know how you feel about what they're doing and how they're voting, and which direction you would like to see our state and country go. I'd like to share a post that I saw in the last few days, from Debbie Matt, and it was posted on December 24th of 2022, and it was in Weird Things in the World. And in the story, it relates to a situation that happened, and it is definitely worth sharing. I arrived at the address and honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again. Since this was going to be my last ride of my shift, I thought about just driving away, but instead I put the car in park and walked up to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail elderly voice. I could hear something being dragged across the floor. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 90s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillow box hat with a veil pinned on it, like somebody out of a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There was no clocks on the walls, no knick-knacks or utilities on the counter. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she said. I took the suitcase to the cab, then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and we walked slowly towards the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I want my mother to be treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. When we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then asked, Could you drive me through downtown? It's not the shortest way, I answered quickly. Oh, I don't mind, she said. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to a hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued in a soft voice. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut the meter off. What route would you like me to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that once had been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she asked me to slow in front of a particular building or corner and would sit staring in the darkness saying nothing. At the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired. Let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building like a small convalescent home with a driveway that passed under a portico. Two orderlies came out to the cab as soon as we pulled up. They must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you, she asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, I said. You have to make a living, she answered. There are other passengers, I responded. Almost without thinking, I bent and gave her a hug. She held on to me tightly. You gave an old woman a moment of joy. She said, Thank you. I squeezed her hand, then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of closing of life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly lost in thought for the rest of that day. I could hardly thought, What if that woman had gotten an angry driver, or one who was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run, or had honked once and driven away? On quick review, I don't think that I have done anything more important in my life. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. But great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. People may not remember exactly what you did or what you said, but they always remember how you made them feel. Life may not be the party we hope for, but while we are here, we might as well dance. What an outstanding story that this was shared, and the moment that person had, and I think we've all been in these moments going into the new year. It may be that time to make that plan or to visit with someone to be kind to people around you. You just never know who that person may be, but these type of stories definitely make us all think on what is in front of us. Today in our history section, we'll be looking at Walcott's Regulators. And they were involved in the Johnson County War, at rather different time, a little bit scarred time in our state of Wyoming in our history. One of the most feared bands of gunfighters and outlaws in Wyoming were Walcott's Regulators, preyed on homesteaders in 1892, frequently leaving dead bodies in their wake. Several years prior... Conflict over land, livestock, and water rights had begun between several large cattle companies and many homesteaders who had made their way to Wyoming to settle lands under the Homestead Act. This spawned the Johnson County War in 1889, in which the large cattle companies began to ruthlessly persecute alleged cattle rustlers in the area. However, not all these people were cattle thieves. Many were just innocent settlers that competed with the large ranchers. In the spring of 1892, Frank Walcott, a member of the Wyoming Stock Growers Association, hired some 50 gunmen, including a number of known Texas killers, with the intention of eliminating alleged rustlers in Johnson County and breaking up the Homesteaders Small Stock Association. On April 5, 1892, a large party of cattlemen, five stock detectives, including Frank M. Canton and 23 gunfighters, under the command of Major Frank Walcott set out from Cheyenne on the way to Buffalo. Beyond Casper, the force called the Regulators began cutting the telegraph lines along the way in order to prevent an alarm. One act of violence perpetrated by the Texans occurred when they ambushed and killed nine trappers whom they mistook for rustlers in Dry Creek in Wyoming. They received a $450 bonus for the slaughter. One of the most heinous crimes were the murders of Nathan Chapman and Nick Ray on April 8, 1892. Though the victims barricaded themselves in a ranch house on the K.C. Ranch, Major Frank Walcott led his men on a vicious attack of the pair, leaving both of them dead. Afterwards, killers pinned a note on the champion's bullet-ridden chest that read, Cattle thieves beware. However, Chapman was not a cattle rustler; Rather, he was a man who had formed the rival Northern Wyoming Farmer and Stock Growers Association. A neighbor named Jack Flagg then rode to Buffalo where he reported the siege. Sheriff William Red Angus then raised a posse of 200 men over the next 24 hours and set out for the Casey Ranch on April 10th. In the meantime, the Regulators were riding towards Buffalo to continue their show of force. By early morning on April 11th, they received the news that Angus and his force were headed towards them. The gunfighters took refuge at the TA Ranch on Crazy Woman Creek. When the Sheriff's Posse reached the ranch, the Regulators holed up in a log barn and a siege began that lasted for three days. Fortunately for the Regulators, one of their members, Mike Shaughnessy, managed to slip from the barn and was able to contact Governor. Barber. On the night of April 12, 1892, the Governor telegraphed President Benjamin Harrison a plea for help, stating, About 61 owners of livestock are reported to have made an armed expedition into Johnson County for the purposes of protecting their livestock and preventing unlawful roundup by rustlers. They are at T.A. Ranch, 13 miles from Fort McKinney, and are besieged by sheriff and posse, and by rustlers from that section of the country, said to be two to three hundred in number. The wagons of stockmen were captured and taken away from them, and as reported, a battle took place yesterday, during which a number of the men were killed. Great excitement prevails. Both parties are very determined, and it is feared that if successful, will show no mercy to the persons captured. The civil authorities are unable to prevent violence. The situation is serious, and immediate assistance will probably prevent great loss of life. Life. The 6th Cavalry from Fort McKinney was then ordered to proceed to the T.A. Ranch at once and take the Wyoming Shot Association expedition into custody. They arrived in the early morning of April 13th and negotiated with Sheriff Angus to lift the siege. Calvary then escorted Walcott and 45 men, along with 45 rifles, 41 revolvers, and some 5,000 rounds of ammunition, first to Fort McKinney, then to Cheyenne. The Texas gunfighters immediately disappeared after bail was made and they were released. Court proceedings began for the locals and the trial was eventually set for January 1893. But as time dragged on, material witnesses disappeared and finding impartial jurors proved next to impossible. Ultimately, the high cost of the trial led the court to dismiss the entire case. Though the Johnson County War was over, scattered violence continued for over a decade as alleged rustlers continued to be hanged. And this came from Kathy Weiser, The Legends of America scarred time in our Wyoming history the Johnson County War, and we'll have more on the Johnson County War in next week's episode as we continue to look at our Wyoming past. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy our podcast. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming.